everybody, and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that's about board games. It's full of board games. It's rammed with board games. I'm joined today by Matthew Lees. I am hot out of the board game oven, ready to serve you up a delightful bun that's also been cooked in the board game oven. I'm hot. The bun is hotter. I'm I'm so hot. Please get me out of this oven. What spreads are going on the bun? Uh, whatever you like, please. The main thing is you need to get me out of this oven. I don't know how I ended up in here with the bun. Help, please. Call an ambulance. This has extreme bear with me energy. You know, it's... it's... <laughs> uh, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about a bunch of different games. We're going to talk about Voices in My Head, a game about being convicted guilty, or I was going to say convicted innocent. That's not true. In court, with all the voices in your head telling you different things. You are convicted of being innocent. Of being nice. I'd love judges to do that. I hereby convict you of being a delightful young man. <laughs> yeah, they've got the whole of the the whole jury on the edge of their seat. I would like to convict you of being a lovely a jury. Nice <laughs> Ah, uh, we're also going to be talking about Decorum, a board game about passive aggressive living together. We're going to be talking about Matt's review of the Quacks expansions, Herb Witches and Alchemists. And we're going to be talking very briefly about our very non-digital real convention, Shucks, in October. It exists for your human hands and eyes and faces and bodies. Embrace the board games. Be one with the board games. Please form an orderly queue to embrace the board games because everyone wants to embrace the same board games and we do appreciate your patience at this difficult time. Wasn't like the most embraced board game at Shucks last time the Where's Wally Jigsaw puzzle? I think so. That got checked out an awful lot. The Where's Wally uh, Jigsaw (laughs) puzzle, which we played on a live stream, was I think constantly checked out of the the Shucks library. Actually, a fun thing about the, the Shucks library is the fact that when we do send review copies or things that we've played or streamed in the past to the Shucks library. We often put in some of the props that we used in the streams, or just little notes, little things. I like to cause bits of trouble. Um, you know, mm. I still leave all the components that are supposed to be in the boxes in the boxes, I should be clear. <laughs> but it's nice that people can just get something and be like, oh, it's the game they played. Oh, the stupid bandanas are still in the box. You'd replaced all the ships from Cosmic Encounter with like rich tea biscuits or something like that. <laughs> I replaced you, all you... of the components and the cards with the rich tea biscuits. In fact, <laughs> it's mostly just boxes of rich tea biscuits that I keep shipping to Canada at an alarming cost. And then, you you know, you invite your parents around for some tea and biscuits and they open up the biscuit tin. It's jam packed full of Hansa Teutonica cubes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is actually leading into a story I'm going to come back to later regarding Quaxel Quedlinburg, so you can tune in for that at the end of the podcast. But first of all, we're going to be talking about the voices in my head. It's about time. That's the sound, sound of a drum doing a rim <laughs> that shot. That was a smooth segue. That was Thank a surprisingly you. smooth segue. The Voices in My Head is another game by Unexpected Games, the studio that's founded and headed up by Corey Kaneska, previously of Fancy Flight Games. And I reviewed one of their games not long ago, called The Initiative, a kind of family weight cooperative puzzler that has a heavy slant towards code cracking and narrative elements that kind of intersperse between this comic book and the game. I thought it was fabulous. I thought it was really interesting. I'd never played anything quite like it. It was clearly designed for a much lighter group uh, than, than mine usually would be, and it was clearly aimed at younger people as well, and the fact that the puzzles were quite simple 
and the whole tone of it was quite sweet. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was really interesting, very unusual, and it had this sort of plasticky component that I thought looked quite gimmicky. But in reality, I felt as a component, it served a really valuable part of the core of the game. You got good use out of it, and it didn't feel like a gimmick. The whole thing, I thought, was a fabulous package. Big recommendation. And again, I'd say if you've got a family, you've got young kids, absolutely brilliant cooperative game. I think it'd be very formative for them. Uh, it's just one of those things where I think, oh, if I got this when I was like nine, I'd really remember <laughs> this. I'd be still thinking about this now, like 20 years later. Fabulous. So I couldn't wait to check out Voices in My Head, which, again, has a lot of similarities. It was clearly something quite strange. Um, again, it had this sort of interesting plastic component at the center of it. I thought, okay. Interesting, odd, and the premise of it, delightful. This idea of you are somebody in court and you're trying to convince the jury that you are, you know, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know who the, what the man himself is trying to do in this. It's not really relevant. You're playing different parts of his personality that are basically trying to swing the nature of the court case in a direction of some sort. And it's not even as simple as guilty or not guilty. You have a different element of your personality that wants to achieve something. Um, regarding how the court case unfolds. And it might be that then that leads to the person being declared innocent. It might not. It might not matter either way. But the way this works is effectively, you have this central picture of a man. Lots of people say looks just like Rodney Smith. Personally, I don't see it. I'm just going to say for the record, they're both just very handsome men, right? That's like, <laughs> I can see, it's like the Boss Baby thing, where, you know, oh, this reminds me of Boss Baby, if you've only ever seen the film Boss Baby. If you've only ever seen Rodney Smith and you're not familiar with the wider genre... Which, which, for the record, a lot of people have. A lot of people have only seen... A lot of people, Rodney Smith is the only handsome man they've ever seen. And that's understandable. Yeah. I'm not going to get in the way of that. But let me just assure you that there's a whole genre out there of very handsome men, and Rodney Smith is just a small part of that oeuvre. <laughs> anyway... You have this picture of a handsome man, and it, on it you have a raised platform with, with perspex that represents this man's brain space. And just like in the human brain, it's sort of this strange hexagonal um, space in which thoughts can slide out of tiny doors into different parts of your brain, such <laughs> as motor skills, instinct, speech, observation, and planning, the traditional five areas of the mind. Pillars of brain. So there's a bit of a phrenology vibe, you know, going on, but without, you know, the kind of heavily latent racism um, right from the bat. But the way it works is at the start of the game, you're going to get given a card that represents which little kind of brain gremlin you represent of what you're trying mm -hmm. to, to cause within this game. You could be like an honest brain gremlin yeah. or a dramatic brain gremlin or... A badass brain gremlin. Yeah. Like, a lot of them seem to be just like, you know, oh, you just want to do some big swings with the jury. You're just here for the drama, right? You want to see things yeah. leaping around rather than it being specifically like get off or go to jail. And the way <laughs> you do it is by placing these little tokens, these little round tokens onto this brain uh, shape and then sliding these tokens, circular tokens, through one of these little gates onto one of these little circular plastic platforms that represent these different parts of the brain. But then, of course, these outer sort of satellite sections of plastic 
have edges and things can fall off the edges. And the whole thing is raised up in a way which is delightful and really engaging to look at. And then it means that, you know, just with the old Homer Simpson adage, it's like eventually thoughts get pushed out of your brain because you get new ones coming in. And it, the mm. idea is that you're going to be sliding these tokens in and then looking at the values on these tokens to determine which player is in control of that part of the brain. And then as things go on, new tokens get pushed on and eventually tokens on the edge get pushed off and are then removed from that part of the brain. So we have here a game which is effectively, from afar, looks like it's a sort of a quite a chilled party game, really, being like we're all competing to take control of this man's actions by placing tokens on and doing a kind of like, I don't know what they're called, but I always call them like penny machines, you know, this idea of like just pushing something forward and then eventually all the pennies fall off of the yeah, thing. Yeah, like the ones you'd find at a pier or an arcade. It's like my first, my first gambling I used to love them. Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> you know, you, you'd lose money overall, but the thrill of that collapse on the edge, oh, it's nothing quite like it. And that and that obsession with gambling stays with you to this day. Absolutely. You're obsessed. Absolutely. Addicted even. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in Las Vegas right now. <laughs> just, they keep bringing me free drinks. I have no idea what time of day it is. But this appears to be this light party game, right? That's what it sounds like, right? It's a silly thing. We're all trying to do different things. We're all like sliding little discs around, falling off the edge. We're all trying to get a man to go to prison or maybe not. But you know, no. Classic. But no. But no. Okay. Because <laughs> there's just quite a lot going on in this game. You've got these different... You've got six different types of jurors that have like different things that they're looking for in terms of like what style of people they are. And then all of those people are going to have different thoughts about whether they're going to acquit them or commit them. And they're hidden until the end of the game. And then you have cards you're playing, which are shifting these things around and doing gotcha things and removing tokens that are sort of off the edge or picking up another token and sliding one on in the middle of something. But then there's quite a lot of rules stuff going on. And also, you're not all just being the voices in this man's head. You've got someone who is basically representing the the, the kind of the judge, right? They're kind of going through the yes. case and they have a sequence of cards. The prosecutor is going to decide what areas of the brain are going to get resolved almost in each phase. And they will de facto win if they make uh, the, the Rodney Smith handsome man go to prison regardless of, of of any other outcome that's how they win the game they want you to be guilty yeah um, and the way that it kind of works is this little they'll put a card onto the table that has a sort of an area control element to it it'll be like right are there more of x or y players tokens here or there well then they get to draw an innocent or a guilty token and slap it on one of those uh members of the jury and that's the, the core of it is this area control game between all these voices in the head that then get sort of decided on by the prosecutor um, and it's really weird. <laughs> it's very weird. I mean, in addition, the, the prosecutor player effectively has these cards that determine a very loose sense of what the the trial is about and has some, like, you know, text to read out, which effectively gives you an idea of mm. how the court trial is progressing. So, you know, you've got a lot of different things here. You've got an element where one player is sort of reading out little story bits here and there and controlling the game a little bit. You've got other people trying to achieve fairly nebulous goals. You know, some of my things, the thing I had to do in the game we played was, was you know, have lots of jurors flipping at the end, like going from, you right. think that they're going to do this, but they're going to do something else. And it's quite tricky to, you know, it's quite an abstract exercise in trying to work out how you're going to achieve that, right? It's not like necessarily a, a game where you feel like you have a, a ton of agency 
all the time. You know, you're drawing these cards and the cards mm. do things, but it doesn't feel like there was that much strategy and control. But at the same time, this mechanic of having these little discs that slide onto these plastic ledges and then get pushed off felt a lot more controlled and less random than I was expecting. I was kind of hoping something that felt a little bit like, what's going to happen? But actually, you know, you you always kind of knew what was going to happen when you added another token. You know, it was like, that one's going to yeah. go off the edge. To me, I felt like the problem with that aspect of the game was that there wasn't enough sort of substantial narrative to sort of justify that kind of like mechanical fuzziness, right? Like there's, there doesn't feel like there's enough sort of like strategy or enough gameplay that is that is there you can't really suss out what other people's goals are you know the way that you sort of approach your own is very just sort of opportunistic and taking what you can that's fine it could work in a game that had really strong narrative direction but it felt like there wasn't a narrative of this court case progressing and things changing there wasn't this moment where at the end you know the dramatic element of the character suddenly comes out and flips all these jurors it was sort of a quite mathematical experience quite a sort of dry game that had these little licks of narrative that kind of, I want it to go sort of further one way or further the other, but we have this kind of middle ground thing that just felt like the worst of both worlds in a way. I think that, you know, that's kind of where I landed on it as well. I, I thought it was, it was, it was juggling a lot of really interesting ideas, but in reality, there was a game which had quite a lot of rules, quite a lot of systems that had to be explained um, for something that then didn't have a great deal of strategy and, and kind of, thinking to it right and i think that was you know if it had been something where if it had been a party game where it was very light very simple you just get into it and you're just doing a silly thing and you're having fun great but it felt like it kind of required it was too complicated to play with a sort of group that i would play as a party game and yet as mm. somebody who likes games but also likes party games and in theory i'm up for the idea of a party game that is a little bit like you know a little bit more rulesy a little bit trickier i'm up for that I didn't feel like we found the hooks to to be getting into a narrative. We were just often yeah. just being petty and just trying to knock each other's tokens off the platforms because that was kind of <laughs> the most fun thing about it, right? The thing I think that's more like, I don't think that it has a, a, a vast amount of like rules that you need to like conquer. It's not necessarily that complex a game in terms of like weight of rules or quantity of rules. I think it's more that it's messy because it doesn't have a sort of, it's not one, it's lots of different games sort of crammed into one and trying to work out where you should place your focus in the game is really hard and I don't think it's rewarding. Like you've got a game, you know, it's it's a social deduction game because you want to work out what other people are. It's kind of a, not really a dexterity game, but it has that dexterity element of pushing little tokens. It has area control because where you're pushing the tokens, you want to be substantive in those areas. You only have a limited number of tokens you can use. And then it has like a little tiny card game on the top with the prosecutor and with the other people. And it's just so many different kinds of game that you really need that core to be like substantial enough i keep saying substantial in a really strange way substantial substantial yeah i you think need that core to be substantial enough to support the rest of the game that's on top of it and i just didn't feel like that was there yeah or i mean at the very least i think i think really it's the the sense of a narrative not really working is a, is a key part of it because i think in that kind of game if you you know it was tough to engage with the actual systems because they weren't substantial enough for my tastes yes. either. Um, and yet, usually in that kind of game, I don't mind because I can sort of zone my brain out, make decisions in my gut, and just have fun with the emerging narrative. But I think actually the fact that you have these different aspects of the brain that you're paying, but they're, but they're kind of a secret identity, 
I think that mm. kind of maybe held the game back because it meant you didn't even have any sense of interaction. You were all just doing stuff and no one knew why anyone was doing anything. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah. it wasn't, you didn't even have that binary of like, well, I think you're a goodie or I think you're a baddie, which, you know, can, mm. th- can thrive. Those games can then thrive within that space before you, without you having to have that kind of encyclopedic knowledge of all of the possible interactions. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it, it was something that was I was really interested in and I was disappointed by, but I thought in the interest of fairness, uh, we have to give the initiative uh, a glowing uh, review for being something that was doing things very differently. This was something that looked really interesting, was doing things very differently, and I felt it was very flat and didn't work at all. But keep doing interesting things, keep doing weird stuff, because that's where the best things come from. So yeah, I, more games like this, please. I'd, I'd be happier to be disappointed with very strange looking things that don't really work that well <laughs> than to have a, an endless stream of things that look predictably all right and are all right. Well, should we talk about something else that is kind of in a similar wheelhouse of yes, games please. that they look uh, really interesting on the surface, but don't quite work, but they're interesting nonetheless. Is it time to talk about decorum? It's time to talk about decorum. Because I need uh, to talk to you about how you fold your napkins, Tom. It's not correct. <laughs> and the other ladies at the club have been noting on it <sighs> and writing faxes and telegrams to the people at Buckingham Palace. At the, at the Village Green. Yes. You're supposed to fold them to look like swans, and yours look like pigeons. Pigeons are much better birds than swans, for the record. Uh, I vastly prefer I a pigeon to I don't think a they are. So, in a, wait, did you say in a fight or in yeah, a flight? In a fight. In a fight. Well, like, yeah, what would win? One swan or 20 pigeons? 20 it's pigeons classic well, I mean, they just have rock, numbers, paper, shotgun. It? Swan always beats pigeon. <laughs> rock beats both of them, mostly. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Decorum. Uh, it's published by Floodgate Games and it's designed by Harry and Charlie Mackin and Drew Tenenbaum. This is a two to four player passive aggressive housing living simulator. Uh, you and the other players around the table, you're living together. You're sharing a house. That's represented by this big old central board, which consists of a house which has four different rooms that have slots, but bits of furniture and walls that you can paint. And you have a card, and that card has your needs for that house. And if everyone fulfills their needs, then you win together. That's the whole game. You just want to make the house suitable for everyone. You've just got to kind of compromise on every single bit of furniture and colour of wall. The trouble is, on your turn, all you can do is add an item, remove an item, swap an item style, or paint a room, and that's it. You do this over the course of a number of rounds, and if you manage to get everyone's needs fulfilled by the end, you win. But the thing that makes the design special is that there's no communication other than a slightly passive-aggressive comment after you do one of those interactions. So it is literally just the eternal puzzle of renting in a game. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's you put a lamp in the the living room, and then someone goes, "Mm, I don't really like that. But they can't tell you why. (laughs) They just they just because they're British. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the whole game. Is it's just like, and I think that very quickly it becomes we derailed it from being passive aggression and being like, hmm, not quite sure about that, into just full on. I hate it. Get rid of it now. (laughs) Disgusting. But with no reason as to why. uh, You know, you can't obviously say exactly why. Get rid of that lamp. I'll Um, kill you. Exactly. And the thing that's nice is that, so this is, I think primarily this is most interesting as a two player game. It has a little bit of that, like most of the 
flavor text of the cards is centered around like relationships. Mm. It's two people moving in together. They're figuring out how to live in this space. And even though the game is like very abstract, you know, you have this completely sort of white semi-featureless house and you have uh, objects that come in red, blue, green, and yellow. They're either wall hanging a lamp or a curio it's very abstract but there is some theme that comes out of that tiny little snippet of flavor text yeah you know one of you is like obsessed with plants and the other one doesn't quite like it and the way that you end up compromising is sort of exactly half of the house being packed with plants and the other half being completely empty <laughs> or, or something like that well i mean this is um, you know it sounds like an accurate simulation of what it's like to be to be married and to be moved in with your partner because i mean you know i've been here for 10 years and it, it is a compromise sharing a space with someone else and you know the compromise yeah. we have here is that my partner is in complete control of the design and decor of most <laughs> of the flat and i have this one room in which i put everything i own in a big pile and that's fine yeah, this is like i'm happy with that right she's happy with that i'm happy with that I mean, Tom can see the big pile. Yeah, it would be. I was going to say it would be hugely enhanced by the listeners being able to see what Matt's room currently looks like with a huge pile of stuff on the bed behind him. It is just a uh, pile of things, really. But basically, decorum is is uh, this really bizarre sort of social experience where no one can tell you what they want, and you have to sort of collectively figure out what's annoying people you know if you remove a piece of uh, furniture from room a and put it in room b and someone doesn't like it why don't they like it and everyone has to kind of collectively come to an understanding of what everyone's needs are which i think is really quite sweet yeah. as a core of the game this idea that like you can't you know the only way you can win is by understanding someone else's stuff and the fact that the game doesn't let you uh it's inherently the way of like getting what you want is for you to remove something and someone else to know what you want and put it in because it's you know you only get to do one of these actions and the rounds progress quickly enough that you want someone else to be finishing sort of the other side of your goal right yeah. um and the comments system is just incredibly funny like you know so <laughs> someone's hand sort of waving over the board and they slowly go towards that red lamp that everyone really likes and they pluck it and they put it on the board and everyone goes i hate you so much and the next person <laughs> immediately puts it back it's just it's wonderful and i think that that's it got everyone around the table really laughing and a lot of the people i was playing it with said they liked it like a lot my worry is that i played it with lots of different groups of people mm -hmm. who said they really liked it but i was the one consistent player and I found the sort of the loop of the game quite tiresome by the end of one game mm. and very tiresome by the end of like four. Fair um, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that it's going to show. It has these little envelopes. Uh, so each scenario is different and pitched to give you a different challenge. And there's something nice about seeing the fingerprints of the designers, like how they've laid it out so that not everyone can just get what they want instantly. Yeah. There's always like a little wrinkle that means you have to organize things in a weird way. Yeah. And there are these organic realizations about what people's needs like are. Kevin demands that every room in the house is a sex dungeon sort of stuff like that yeah. yeah exactly and and you know and and that's why we had to get rid of kevin yeah i um, mean i i thought he had some good ideas personally but it's your it's your house one was so, fine you know. one was fine it was just you know i mean redundancy is good to, it's good to build in redundancy i think tom but yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I can hear that i mean I, made it hard to sell as well when you, <laughs> it's true it's true it's a niche market when you we're talking about it. I, my mind actually was jumping towards um, the classic cult hit tiny box game, The Mind. Actually, in a way of mm. not in the same way, because The Mind is like a is like a, a collaborative magic trick, right? It's like you show people this thing yep. and it, and it kind of works. And 
the idea of it being this game that makes you psychic is is sort of a a fun magic trick joke you know it's like you sort of say it but then mm. it's like oh my gosh we really are actually becoming a bit psychic it's a really fun <laughs> it's a parlor trick really i think um more than a game and it's great but this feels like a similar thing of of putting something in front of people and giving people a little thing of being like ah oh, now appreciate the, the magic of being a passive aggressive person in a flat share <laughs> and i can see At that last. like doing that over and over again might not be that much fun but then i think the same is true of the mind like the mind is a game that i really enjoyed playing and really enjoyed showing to people but after i played it a couple of times i wasn't really that interested in playing it that much more you know what i mean i was i was interested in showing it to mm. people but i wasn't that interested in 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 the actual mechanics of it so it's I funny i suppose for me the, the the difference in that is entirely in price and mm-hmm. size yeah um where you know you can pick up a copy of the mind for like 10 15 quid or something and whereas decorum is look you know you're you're looking at a sort of like a 30 40 quid 50 dollar game or something like yeah. that. yeah which you know it, it's pretty steep and i think it's too steep for a novelty especially i think that here's I the thing form right? factor think- is a key thing here as well like it sounds like something mm. that's very fun to show to people and yeah. you know that that's not the the shape of that shouldn't be a large box, let alone, you know, without looking at the cost. You know, you, I guess you want something yeah. that is small. Yeah. And I think I think to me, there's actually like the best player count for it is at two players. I think this would have almost been better served as a game that just says two players on the box and they didn't need to put the extra stuff in there. They could have made it a little bit smaller because it goes up to four with different scenarios for three and four players, which I just felt were a little bit too complicated. Generally, mm. four people's needs. You don't get that magic of like, innately kind of coming to understand what the other person needs because you're juggling three people's needs as well as your own and that became more like there's this really interesting thing with decorum where sometimes people have really understood the way that the game is meant to be played straight away but i played it with one person who was very consistently all they really were worrying about was how to do their own thing and when someone would change the house they'd go i don't like that at all and and then just be pursuing their own goal without realizing that maybe in the bigger picture <laughs> <laughs> it might work down the line. Which again, very accurate simulation of mm, shared living. Interesting. Um, but not quite uh I think a game that is a little bit diminishing returns for me at least. Yeah. Um, I, I think especially a fabulous novel. A game that's that's novel to show to people, but one that is best at two players. That's not a great value ratio that's of, true. of, of, that's of sharing true. an experience, you know? Yeah. But it sounds like it does sound like a great game to play at a con. It does sound like a great yes. game to check out of being like, yeah. okay, we're gonna sit this. Somebody's gonna teach us how to play it, and we're gonna have a go at it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 Tom, haven't 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 we got a convention happening soon? Oh my goodness, what a perfect! I segue. can't believe I have accidentally segued into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shucks is back. So for the past few years, we've been doing <laughs> our shucks, and it's been a little digital online convention where people could just come along onto the internet for free and do stuff. And you know what? That's been fabulous fun. And the great thing about it is that everyone's been able to attend, and you just can log on and do some stuff and watch some things, and it's been great. And unfortunately, we're not doing that this year, which kind of sucks for that reason. Um, but we yeah. are doing shucks, and if you already had a ticket for shucks i think 2019 maybe 2020 when was that i don't remember i think it's 2020 was the last one that was supposed to happen that didn't honestly time is a blur it's unknowable yeah i think it was 2020 and so yes 
we're bringing it back. It's going to be September 30th to October 2nd, and it's going to be in bright and lovely Vancouver. Same location, great center, really brilliant carpets and natural light, all the stuff you want. Massive board game <laughs> library, uh, live shows, fun <laughs> things. If you're into hanging Starting out and playing with board the games carpet. with people, Starting. Oh, it's just so good. You know, so luxurious. You know, not walking around on that like so many board game conventions for people who don't go to them are just like hard concrete floors, like you know, artificial light, and it's just sort of draining. It doesn't create the right atmosphere for having a nice time. Um, it's a it's a process rather than a place, and I think it's nice to have some slightly softer edges and some nice light mm. and i think it speaks volumes that the people who come to sharks what they like about it most is the community there is the fact that people can effectively wander off on their own meet new people play games with strangers and everyone's just very welcoming and very nice and has a really good time playing games um so if that sounds good then you should check out our shucks.show website where you can find out more information get tickets etc obviously a lot of details still to be ironed out but i can assure anyone worried that we will be taking any decent measures required to make sure it is safe for everybody involved um and yeah you pop over from north of america pop over from canada if it's too far away and you're like oh but i wanted to do the digital convention again it's not fair i'm really sorry we're only a small handful of people on our skeleton crew and we do still love that stuff and we will be bringing it back in the future it's just that this year doing all of it it's a bit too much of a stretch for a time when hey spoilers we're all a bit tired from working through a pandemic and getting a virus during a pandemic so that's that's that hey tom you got anything you want to add to that blast to the to the shucks blast i just i i keep saying or shucks naturally instead yeah i know uh, i'll give you a better name but hey, <laughs> someone asked me yesterday. They're like, "Oh, are you doing? Sh- are you doing all shucks this year?" And I was like, "Yeah, we're doing all shucks this year. Well, it's going to be crazy." And uh, they were like, very disappointed to find out that I just got it very wrong. No, we're not. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be able to to have to choose uh, which of your your darlings you're going to have to very gently uh, leave in the cupboard for a little while. But I hope people understand. <laughs> Definitely avoided, Matthew. Yeah, you know uh, what can you do? Finally, we got one last game to talk about. Matt has been talking about quacks again. Talking you just can't, you can't help yourself. Matt quacks. Matt quacks. Matt quacks. I actually met uh, two people in a bowling alley yesterday who were fans of board games. And Ooh. I was talking to them. And I was saying, well, what board games do you like? And they named some board games. And they said, oh, you know what we played recently that we really love? And I was like, what was that? And they said, Quacks of Quedlinburg. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. Because it's yeah. great. Um, and they said, is it worth getting the expansions? In a bowling alley. I know. Well, it's what happens when you hang out in a bowling alley 24-7. <laughs> it's, it's Vegas, <laughs> man. Behind, behind the, in the gutters, behind the pins. <laughs> yeah, like putting pins back up after they've been knocked down, like before yeah. anyone notices, or knocking down extra ones on my feet, giving people extra points. It's the life. But they said to me, is it worth getting expansions? And I thought, well, this is wild. Literally just last week made a video about the big expansion and the answer is kind of like probably not no so that's that's that video really like i didn't really review the herb witches because i didn't have it and i had to just get a picture of some witches from tom arguably yep. i think i have come around a bit and i kind of came around during the video when i realized that the herb witches adds like a fifth player and some other little mm. bits the herb witches is kind of 
I don't think it's like a utility expansion. Yeah, I don't think there's the problem is there's nothing in it that's really interesting or exciting. It's like you get the capacity to play with a fifth player. You get some more of the little uh, boards that let you play with some extra variants for the ingredients, which is a key thing. But I felt like they were all just a little step too far in terms of complexity and fiddliness that they just stopped being immediately passable and keepable in your brain and fun. I felt yeah. like it was... And one of them is called Dilfweed, which is really inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah, sadly, it's called Loco Weed. But I don't know why I thought it was called Dilfweed. But now I'm banned from several states in America. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 kind of a frustration for me because I think that the, the core game is just fabulous and I do feel like there is like some amazing expansion that could be made for it. But I haven't seen it yet and I maybe never will. And maybe you should just accept that the base game is just great as it is. And in fact, I saw somebody, I think in the, the comments thread for the video, saying that I knew somebody who basically had gone, hey, um, I've just bought two boxes, two copies of base quacks. And now I have an expansion so I can play it with eight players. And it's like, yeah, I guess you do, right? It's like, <laughs> sure. It's all That's simultaneous. Deranged. Fine. Wow. And it's like, wow. it is, right? But is it, Tom? This is the question. I thought about it and I'm like, it's probably about the same price as buying the game and an expansion. So yeah. just get two copies of the game and you can play it with loads of people. You yeah, can probably sure. put all that stuff in one box. You've just bought Mega Quacks. If you love Quacks that much then go for it i think buy I two think, copies i think eight people quacks is a hell of a party but anyway um yeah <laughs> um that's the long and short of it other people have different opinions but i didn't really think that anything there added enough or changed enough to make it better but a little funny story for you a little funny story for, just for you tom i discovered oh, you. just for me just we're for gonna you. cut this from the pod yeah of course just just for you i discovered when i had to go back and play some quacks for this review process i opened up my quacks box and i realized that it was missing things <laughs> i realized that it was supposed to have oh, no. like four bags in it right to put the mm -hmm. tokens in and instead of that it had one bag which was a mountain warehouse uh like thin <laughs> pouch for like holding some i don't know a micro towel or something so it had one very strange thin little bag with mountain warehouse branding which is like an outdoor <laughs> store for budget stuff and none of the bags and i yeah. realized that as is often the case when people my board game collection is not really a thing it's kind of this uh it doesn't really it's like an armada it's like the the if you've played Mass Effect, it's like the, the, the Geth or whatever, right? It's just, it's out there in the universe. It moves around. Mm. I'm just constantly sharing things with people because I think, this is great, borrow this. And then I just immediately forget who I've lent things to and years later go, where is it? And I'm like, I have no idea. Somebody has it. I hope they're having fun. And that's fine <laughs> because it's like, it's about the same reason I do this job is about spreading the love of the hobby. And I would be a hypocrite if I was to hoard all of these things for myself. But it meant, I realized I'd lent this game to a number of people, right? And I lent the game to a number of people and then got it back and then lent it out again without looking inside the box. And it made me realize, that, like, how many people have I lent this game to? And then they've mm. tried to play it and discovered it just doesn't have bags in it. Because they're not people who play <laughs> board games very much, right? They're people who, like, maybe dabble or maybe are just interested in the idea. And I'm like, oh, you should check this out. It's a really good, like, little bit of rules, but you'll have fun. And I do remember we lent it to some neighbours of ours and they gave, when they gave it back, they were like, yeah, we gave it a go, but we couldn't really get into it. We couldn't really. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. And now I'm like, is it because it didn't have any bags in it? 
<laughs> and they were just going, how do we do it? There are the bags. Do we just do it in our hands? So yeah, now I'm basically oh, just found dear. myself going, how many people have tried to play this oh, and fool. then been like, this game doesn't make sense because it didn't have bags. Terrible. And where were the bags? I don't know where the bags are, Tom. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know where the bags are either. I mean, this is the thing. In the video, thankfully, uh, I just used some other bags from some other things for my playtesting. And in the video, I just had one black bag, which I just used, which I think was the bag I used for my... The, the Mountain Warehouse bag. I think that's my Chaos bag, actually. No, it was the one I pulled out of my um, Arkham Horror card game oh, because wow. I had my own Chaos bag in there. And that was a nice black bag. I didn't use the Mountain Warehouse silky thing because that would have looked a bit weird in B-roll. Um, I don't know. It's possible that somebody I lent it to has not put them back in the box and they're just somewhere, um, you know, in the holiday home them, yeah. in the Lake District where they, or I don't have any idea. It's possible they're somewhere here, but yeah, you know. Well, I hope they return to you well, one day. Well, you know, I just, the, the key thing is if you're going to be evangelical about board games and try and get people into board games and be like, you should try this, check out this, it's great, it's great fun. And just make sure like most of the components are in there. Um, Otherwise, you're just like forcing jigsaw puzzles on people with bits missing, which is kind of cruel. Um, I've just that's made me think of the fact that we've had a similar thing with me and Quinn's at the moment because Quinn's left a copy of Lizard Wizard at my flat after we played it and was like, "This is yours to deal with now. Do what do what you will." Quinn's being much more positive on Lizard Wizard. I thought that he would do the good thing and and take it back to his flat. Give it a home. No, he left it here. Um, so what's happened is we've started to have a little bit of a war. Uh, where he left it here as he was leaving he went have fun with lizard wizard after he agreed to take it and he mm. le you know left the door he'd actually left it in my flat oh no last time i was around his for crescent moon brought it smuggled it in my bag while he was out the room hid it in his flat nice as i leave have fun with lizard wizard classic how uh, big is know, it out of interest how big gaps. is this box quite large like, yeah quite a large okay, box good good that's, maybe that's, a sort of hands of teutonic a big box right size. great that um, really increases the difficulty of smuggling i think to a level well, where it's, here's the thing it's though good. is that my as I left, my friend pointed out to me that the thing that I should really have done is as I'd have left said, have fun with Lizard Wizard and not told him and not left it at his house at all. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Because then that's just permanently, he'll be on the search for it forever, never mm. knowing where it might pop up. Alternatively, um, I would suggest just taking all of the components out of the box and just very slowly just putting them all over his flat in different places oh, that's good as well just everywhere so everywhere in he looks books. he just finds them yeah, yeah. like cards his mugs. Books, everywhere just that's you know, that's fantastic just just saturate oh it just saturate the place yeah. and then Until his life is sort of interwoven with lizard wizard if you hide them well enough if you really hide them well uh then you could maybe have a period where he just doesn't find any of them for weeks and then you can say hey have fun with lizard wizard and then it begins <laughs> and it suddenly he realizes and then it'd be like memento or something i haven't even seen that film but yeah. i'm sure it'll be just like that whatever that, uh, yeah, that film yeah. is about. No, that's exactly what... Well, right. I think I think the only way that we could make it like Memento is if I tattooed a lizard, wizard, lizard on his body. Yeah, just do um, that. And that's easy, right? We could do that. That might be quite no, hard. No, we could do that. I, I, could, I could find some budget for that. We'll you could pull some strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I know people. I know I know some bad people, all right? We'll, we'll do it. And thank you for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down <laughs> podcast, the podcast about board games, just board games and board games. Uh, I've been Matt Lees. Tom has been Tom I've Brewster. Been Tom Brewster, yes, hello. Join us next week for another chat about some board games. We're going to talk about some more. Who, what are they going to be? What are they going to be? Nobody knows. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.